For Gibraltar's Attorney General Frederick Solly Flood, Friday, December 13, 1872, lived up to its bad reputation. It was the day a ship called the Mary Celeste docked in Gibraltar. The American trade vessel was brought in by 36-year-old Oliver DeVoe, first mate on the British brig De Gratia. Just nine days earlier, DeVoe and his crewmates had discovered the Mary Celeste drifting aimlessly in the Atlantic Ocean. DeVoe and De Gratia's captain, David Morehouse, salvaged the Mary Celeste, which appeared to have been abandoned by its crew. But when they brought it into Gibraltar to file a salvage claim, Attorney General Flood refused to believe that a perfectly good ship had simply been abandoned. All of the ship's records, the crew's personal possessions, and a vast supply of provisions were found on board. Mary Celeste's captain, Benjamin Briggs, his wife, Sarah, their daughter, Sophie, and seven crew members had seemingly vanished without a trace. Flood was determined to find out the truth behind their disappearance, but the De Gratia's crew couldn't help. There was no indication of where the people aboard the Mary Celeste had gone. And so the Attorney General had no other choice than to believe that foul play had taken place on board. The ship was rather valuable, and it seemed extraordinarily lucky that the De Gratia just so happened to come upon it with the crew nowhere to be found. Flood was set on proving that some sort of violence took place aboard the Mary Celeste. And his main suspects were the very same people that brought her to port. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. This is our final episode on the Mary Celeste, an American trade ship that became infamous in 1872 after all aboard disappeared somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. Last episode, we covered the Mary Celeste's bumpy history and the stories of those on board the ill-fated voyage, including Captain Benjamin Briggs. We also discussed how the Mary Celeste was found abandoned in the Atlantic Ocean by the De Gratia and the legacy she's left behind over 100 years later. This episode, we'll investigate a few theories of what really happened to the 10 people aboard the Mary Celeste. Life at sea was dangerous, and it's possible that the Mary Celeste was the victim of foul play. The Mary Celeste was newly restored and found mostly intact, leading many to believe that the cause of the disappearance must have been violence of some sort. But maybe she wasn't in as good of shape as she seemed. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. 
there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA. Used under license by FCA US LLC. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. On December 4, 1872, the brigantine Mary Celeste was found drifting aimlessly in the Atlantic Ocean. The De Gratis crew who spotted the ship on the horizon searched her decks, but there wasn't a soul on board the Mary Celeste. Even stranger, very little about the ship looked out of place. It didn't appear damaged or in danger of sinking. Additionally, the crew's possessions and highly valued cargo remained mostly intact. After some debate, the De Gratia's captain, David Morehouse, allowed the crew to bring the seemingly abandoned Mary Celeste into Gibraltar. They could collect a salvage reward, which was essentially a finder's fee. But as the world at large learned of the ship's story, theories about what happened to the Mary Celeste crew exploded. Nobody could understand how they could just disappear. Theories about weather damage or that the captain had abandoned a sinking ship were quickly dismissed. The ship was completely unharmed, and though the De Gratia crew had measured three and a half feet of water in the hull, it wasn't enough for an experienced captain like Benjamin Briggs to panic. Which meant that most of the theories, like those we're going to discuss today, involved some sort of conspiracy or violence. Some suggest mutiny. Others suggest pirates. One suggests something rotten in the hull. But the first theory for us to explore is an idea that fueled a lengthy salvage hearing, that the Mary Celeste was the victim of foul play for monetary gain by either the De Gratia's crew or the Mary Celeste's own owner. Salvage was and is still a highly respected law of the sea. Legally, any person who recovers a damaged or abandoned vessel and brings her safely to port is entitled to compensation, roughly equaling the vessel's value. When the De Gratia's crew came across the lone Mary Celeste, first mate Oliver DeVoe saw the 1,700 barrels of alcohol in the hold. He believed the cargo alone was worth forty or fifty thousand dollars, 
over $800,000 today. He also believed that when he and the De Gratia's crew brought the Mary Celeste into the port of Gibraltar and declared their claim, the hearing would be swift and easy. DeVoe was very wrong. The hearings opened at the Vice Admiralty Court on Wednesday, December 18th. The presiding judge was 74-year-old James Cochran, Chief Justice of Gibraltar, who was eager to quickly grant the claim. But Attorney General Frederick Solly Flood essentially said, not so fast. Flood was so caught up in the mystery of what happened to the crew that he couldn't let the case go. It seemed too convenient that the De Gratius crew had stumbled upon such a valuable ship. Flood was convinced that they had somehow disposed of the Mary Celeste's crew. As a former private attorney in London, many believe that 71-year-old Flood became resentful when forced to take the attorney general job in Gibraltar. The rumor was he couldn't find any other work. Because of this resentment, Flood was hard-headed and stubborn. When he made up his mind about something, there was no way his opinion could be changed. But he had a point. DeVoe and Morehouse tried to explain the Mary Celeste's crew's disappearance by saying that they'd abandoned a possibly sinking ship. But that didn't make sense. There was no sign that the ship was in any danger. In Flood's eyes, it was not only possible, but highly likely that Morehouse and DeVoe planned to salvage the Mary Celeste from the beginning. They could have planned to intercept her near the Azores Islands, killed the crew, and then brought her back to Gibraltar, claiming they'd found her abandoned. After all, the salvage reward was sky-high and perhaps enough to kill for. During the initial portion of the trial, Flood had each of the De Caraccia's crew members recount every moment of the afternoon they found the Mary Celeste. The crew's stories all lined up, but Flood pushed harder and harder trying to trip them up on the timing of the sighting versus when they climbed aboard. He was convinced that they were lying and that under enough pressure, one of them would slip. But even after long days of questioning, Flood wasn't able to catch the De Gratia's crew in a lie, because they were probably telling the truth. In reality, the possibility of foul play by Morehouse and DeVoe was unlikely. It just wouldn't have been worth the payout. Salvaging a ship was highly dangerous. To bring the Mary Celeste into Gibraltar, Morehouse had to split his crew in half, one for each ship. This meant that each group was practically working around the clock. At one point in the journey, rough weather even pushed DeVoe and the Mary Celeste 40 miles off course up the coast of Spain. Because of this delay, it arrived in Gibraltar a day later than the De Gratia. If the weather had been any worse, DeVoe and his understaffed, overworked crew would have run the ship aground, and the salvage wouldn't have been worth anything at all. Plus, DeVoe had severely overestimated the Mary Celeste's worth. She was actually insured for only about $16,000, worth about $330,000 today. The De Gratia's crew stood to make more money if they just completed their original job. 
So while DeVoe might have been motivated to salvage a ship that they'd found by pure coincidence, there's absolutely nothing to suggest that they would have killed another crew to do it. Flood didn't really have a case at all. The De Gratius crew finished testifying on December 21st, 1872. Two days later, all but Captain Morehouse left Gibraltar to finish their original delivery. But their abrupt departure greatly upset the salvage hearing's judge, Sir James Cochrane. In a stinging criticism, Judge Cochrane said, the conduct of the salvers in going away has, in my opinion, been most reprehensible and may probably influence the decision as to their claim for remuneration for their services. With the De Gratia's crew gone, Flood turned his attention to an alternative theory. If he couldn't pin foul play on Morehouse and DeVoe, he could pin it on the Mary Celeste's owner, J.H. Winchester. Flood believed that Winchester could have conspired with Captain Benjamin Briggs to commit insurance fraud. The owner might have convinced his captain to abandon the ship in order to collect the money. But there are many things wrong with this theory. For one, Captain Briggs wouldn't have brought his family on board if he knew he was going to abandon the ship. And second, the value of the Mary Celeste's insurance policy was far less than the amount they stood to make if they completed the job. But Flood couldn't give up the idea that there was foul play involved in the Mary Celeste crew's disappearance. He refused to believe natural causes could be involved. So on the same date that De Gratia departed for Genoa, Flood ordered a special survey of the Mary Celeste. The survey was undertaken by John Austin, surveyor of shipping, and Ricardo Portunato, a diver. They examined every inch of the Mary Celeste. By doing so, they hoped to confirm or refute the testimony given by the De Gratia's crew. Barring that, they might discover anything DeVoe initially missed. Unsurprisingly, the De Gratia's crew's findings checked out. On January 22nd, 1873, Attorney General Flood compiled a summary of Austin's findings. The Mary Celeste was perfectly seaworthy. She didn't appear to have been damaged by any heavy weather, continuous gale force winds, or tempestuous seas. There was nothing aboard that suggested a cause to abandon ship and nothing out of place. These results almost ended Flood's foul play theory except for one small detail that the De Gratia crew missed. And if Flood was right, he could prove that more than foul play had occurred on the Mary Celeste. He could prove there was a murder. Coming up, we'll discuss the possibility that some sort of attack did indeed occur on board. Now, back to the story. On January 22, 1873, Gibraltar's 71-year-old Attorney General Frederick Solly Flood discovered a key piece of evidence in his case that foul play occurred on board the Mary Celeste, a decorative sword in the captain's quarters. But apparently, the sword might have been more practical than it seemed. 
When the surveyor Flood hired pulled the blade out of its sheath, he found what appeared to be bloodstains on it. He also found a few suspicious marks, possibly more blood, on the starboard top gallant rail. Flood ordered a medical examiner to investigate the ship's rails and the seemingly bloodstained sword. In Flood's eyes, this was insurmountable proof that violence took place aboard the Mary Celeste. But it probably wasn't the De Gratius crew that killed them. Instead, it could have been pirates. There was little to no damage to the ship when it was found, ample provisions, and no obvious evidence that a lifeboat had ever been lowered into the water. That means the Mary Celeste's crew probably didn't willingly abandon ship. Perhaps their departure was a little more forceful. In February 1873, a New York-based newspaper introduced piracy as a possibility for the crew's disappearance. Pirates on the Atlantic Ocean were highly active at the beginning of the 19th century. In fact, in the early 1800s, piracy was such a problem that both the United States and Great Britain paid off local brigands to keep them away from their ships. It's also believed that the Azores Islands, not far from where the Mary Celeste was found, were often used as a home base for many of the area's pirates. Rift pirates, operating off the coast of Morocco, often took over European ships passing through the area. In 1851, they captured British merchant ship Violet, ransoming both cargo and crew. From what we know, Captain Briggs was probably well aware of these risks. According to his younger brother, James, their third brother, Oliver, knew there were pirates in the area. Most likely, Captain Briggs knew this as well. But even if he was aware of the danger, he might have been powerless to stop it. It's possible that pirates boarded the Mary Celeste and kidnapped Briggs, his family, and the rest of the crew. But there's a few things that don't quite work about this theory. For one, piracy had mostly died out by the time the Mary Celeste set sail. There's very few confirmed accounts of pirate attacks in the Atlantic during the 1870s. The obsession with pirates came mostly from newspapers and fictional stories. They weren't wildly popular until well after pirates mostly disappeared from the seas. So when the Mary Celeste came to port without a crew, it was easy to suggest pirates, but much harder to prove. Plus, if pirates had plundered the Mary Celeste, they would have ransomed the captain or at least taken all of the valuables on board the ship. When the De Gratius crew found the vessel, the crew's trunks, important documents, and other personal valuables remained untouched. But what if it wasn't pirates who attacked the captain, but his own crew? On February 25, 1873, around the same time as the piracy theory, the New York Herald released an article stating that the Mary Celeste's crew had mutinied against Captain Briggs. Mutiny wasn't uncommon in that time period. In 1842, a few crew members aboard the naval ship USS Summers plotted a mutiny against their captain. 
they were quickly tried and executed for disloyalty. In 1857, a crew on a whaling ship called Junior mutinied against their captain. And in 1872, the same year that the Mary Celeste was found abandoned, a group of military personnel in the Philippines mutinied at an arsenal in Cavite. And according to some newspapers at the time, even the Mary Celeste's owner supported the theory that some sort of mutiny had taken place. Prior to the journey, Captain Briggs only knew his first mate. However, he wasn't acquainted with his six other crew members, four of whom were foreigners. Frustrated with low pay and harrowing weather conditions, the crew might have had reason to rebel against Benjamin Briggs, kill him and his family, and jump overboard to head for the Azores Islands. Once there, they might have waited for passage on a different ship and disappeared back into Europe. Adding to speculation that a mutiny took place on board the Mary Celeste was that nine of the 1,700 barrels of alcohol in the cargo hold turned up empty. Which made some believe that the crew might have mutinied under the influence. However, the theory of alcohol-induced mutiny starts to fall apart when you look at the alcohol itself. The liquor on board wasn't of drinkable quality. In fact, it was highly toxic industrial alcohol. If the crew had imbibed, it's likely they would have died before they even got to Briggs. Briggs was also a conservative captain. He didn't allow the crew to bring their own alcohol on board. So unless one of them snuck something onto the ship, it's probable that they were entirely sober. Plus, it makes very little sense that the crew would have abandoned a ship with valuable cargo or left all of their belongings. According to historical reports, the crew even left their pipes, and sailors at the time rarely went anywhere without them. So even though Gibraltar Attorney General Frederick Solly Flood was determined to prove there was foul play on the Mary Celeste, even he knew accusing anyone of murder was a reach. When the results from the sword stain analysis came back, Attorney General Flood didn't even publish the results. He probably already knew that his theories of violence and sabotage were wrong. It was difficult to find a motive for anyone to have killed Briggs and the crew, but didn't take any of their possessions. In March of 1873, Flood allowed for the Mary Celeste to be released, the unofficial end of his foul play inquiry. The results of the stain analysis weren't released until years later. It turned out to be rust. On March 10th, 1873, the Mary Celeste departed Gibraltar to complete her voyage to Genoa. Four days later, Judge Cochran finally delivered judgment in the salvage case. There was no evidence of foul play from the De Gratia crew, and they would be paid salvage. Despite all their efforts bringing the ship into Gibraltar, the De Gratia crew were only awarded 1,700 pounds. It was a lot, but hardly the payout that DeVoe had hoped for. The 
The end of the salvage hearings left people with more questions than answers. Perhaps despite being seaworthy, Captain Briggs and his crew really did abandon what they thought was a sinking ship. After all, there was water accumulating in the ship. Briggs must have been at least a little worried. Maybe he panicked. The Mary Celeste's last logged location was about six miles off the coast of the island of Santa Maria in the Azores. It's possible that Captain Briggs and his crew used a lifeboat in an attempt to reach the shore. Meanwhile, their ship sailed aimlessly on the Atlantic before being found by the De Gratia. Or perhaps after escaping the ship, Captain Briggs and his crew were picked up by a passing vessel. If so, the crew's families hoped their loved ones might turn up in a foreign port. But as each day passed, this hopeful theory became less and less likely. If Briggs and his crew survived, they would have sent a telegraph from whatever foreign port they ended up in. Compared to Attorney General Flood's overzealous theory that foul play was involved, a sinking ship is a far easier theory to digest. But Captain Briggs was a well-respected veteran sailor. In his 20 years at sea, Briggs wasn't known to panic and wouldn't abandon a seaworthy ship without reason. His wife, Sarah, and their young daughter, Sophie, were also on board. Their presence may have made Briggs even more cautious. He would have remained calm so his wife and child wouldn't worry. Briggs wasn't going to do anything risky and put the lives of his family in danger. And again, neither Briggs nor his family nor the crew took any of their belongings. Which suggests the possibility that everyone aboard the Mary Celeste believed they would return. Maybe they didn't think that the ship was sinking, but something else forced all aboard to temporarily evacuate the ship. Perhaps Captain Briggs, his family and crew, did abandon ship, but voluntarily, not under duress at all. Coming up, we discuss why Captain Briggs and his crew might have voluntarily abandoned the Mary Celeste and why they never returned. Now, back to the story. When the Mary Celeste was discovered in 1872, she was found with three and a half feet of water in the hull. Captain Benjamin Briggs may have thought the ship was sinking and ordered all aboard to abandon ship. The only problem with that theory was that everyone's personal items remained on the ship. If the crew thought the ship was sinking, they would have surely brought some of their effects with them. And yet, there's still the possibility that the crew abandoned ship, but didn't think it was sinking. In his book, Ghost Ship, The Mysterious True Story of the Mary Celeste and Her Missing Crew, writer Brian Hicks suggests that though the crew might have left the ship, they did so with the full expectation that they would come back. When the Mary Celeste was found, one of the most noteworthy things about her was that her cargo, over 1,700 barrels of industrial alcohol, remained intact. This fact helped rule out pirates and insurance fraud as possible reasons for the crew's disappearance. 
but it still didn't answer why nine of the barrels were found empty. And as it turns out, those nine barrels could have been the key to solving the entire mystery. Which brings us to our final theory. Due to the nasty smell left by leaked industrial alcohol, Captain Briggs ordered his family and crew to temporarily abandon the Mary Celeste in order to air her out. The alcohol on board was an ethanol-based liquid known for its foul odor. All of the alcohol in the barrels was the exact same, but as it turns out, the nine empty barrels were made out of a different kind of wood than the rest. Those barrels were made out of redwood, not whitewood, which made it far more porous. Over the course of many weeks, the alcohol in those barrels probably leaked out. This alcohol would have sat on top of the water that had already accumulated in the hull and caused a nasty smell to spread throughout the rest of the ship. The water could have easily been pumped out, and likely was. But the smell would have lingered in the air far beyond the water being pumped out. And it wasn't just that the smell was awful and uncomfortable. Long-term exposure to these types of chemicals could have had serious physiological effects on the crew. The industrial alcohol could have irritated or burned their skin and eyes. The fumes could have also caused the crew to feel sick and lightheaded, or even suffer from hallucinations. Lengthy exposure from the toxins in the air might have even led to death. This wouldn't have been a problem if the ship was aired out. But from the moment the ship left New York, the crew endured three straight weeks of absolutely awful weather. They wouldn't have had the time nor ability to open the windows and hatches in order to clear out the smell. But on November 25, 1872, the last day recorded in the ship's logs, the morning weather near the Azores was relatively calm and peaceful. It's likely that Briggs chose to seize this opportunity to finally air out the ship and give his crew a break from the smell. After all, two of his family members had died of illness at sea. It made sense for Briggs to be nervous. So he probably ordered them to open all the hatches and windows, which is consistent with the condition in which the De Gratia crew found the ship. And then he might have instructed the crew and his family to gather in the lifeboat so they could float nearby and take a break from the fumes. And they didn't take any of their belongings because, one, Briggs would have wanted to move quickly to take advantage of the weather, and two, they had planned to return within a few hours at most. However, they would have needed a tow line for the lifeboat to remain attached to the ship, so they probably used the main sails rope as it was typically the strongest on the ship. But of all the things that J.H. Winchester retrofitted before the journey, the mainsail rigging was not one of them. In fact, the De Gratia's crew found the rope frayed and torn. But at the time, they didn't think much of it. They also found that the wheel and rudder hadn't been secured. It's possible that Briggs' crew, under stress from the fumes and weeks of work, forgot to tie them down. The captain, 
his family, and his crew probably enjoyed their initial time floating in the lifeboat. The fresh air would have made them feel infinitely better after weeks of enduring heavy industrial fumes. But that afternoon on the Atlantic, the weather quickly changed from better to worse. As the wind picked up, the ship probably took off, towing the lifeboat behind it at a harrowing pace. Briggs should have been able to grab onto his tow line and pull the lifeboat in, but as we mentioned, the rigging was frayed and weak. So when the Mary Celeste, with her unsecured rudder, took off, the tow line probably broke. And after the tow line snapped, all aboard the lifeboat would have watched helplessly as the Mary Celeste sailed away without them, drifting far off into the distance. That would have left the crew out on the open water with no food, water, or way to return to their ship. Maybe they tried to sail the lifeboat to the nearby islands, but the lifeboat would have capsized fairly easily in stormy conditions. Then Captain Briggs, his wife Sarah, daughter Sophie, and the entire Mary Celeste crew most likely drowned. Though neither their bodies nor the lifeboat were ever found, the ocean is vast and much of it unexplored. They wouldn't be the first to disappear into its depths. In Briggs' lifetime, he endured a number of family tragedies. He lost two brothers and his only sister to the sea. And now Briggs, his wife, and his daughter had joined them. Out of all the theories discussed today, the crew temporarily evacuating the ship due to a bad smell is the most realistic. The terrible stench let out by the broken barrels of industrial alcohol couldn't have been avoided, especially in calm conditions with no wind to help air the ship out. When the De Gratia found the Mary Celeste nine days later, they wouldn't have encountered the smell because the ship had over a week to air out. With no clues or conclusive evidence, the fate of the 10 people aboard the Mary Celeste remains one of Maritime's greatest unsolved mysteries. There are countless more theories ranging from alien abduction to attack by a giant squid. As fun as these stories sound, it was highly unlikely that anything supernatural occurred. Most likely, a few small mistakes and coincidences led to tragedy. They died due to human error, which is perhaps the most dangerous threat at sea. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the Mary Celeste, amongst the many sources we used, we found Mary Celeste, The Greatest Mystery of the Sea by Paul Begg, and Ghost Ship, The Mysterious True Story of the Mary Celeste and Her Missing Crew by Brian Hicks, extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Emily Cirillo with writing assistance by Allie Wicker and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs> <laughs>